0: Hello, True Matters listeners. This is Mikhail, and I have an exciting guest today with me, Tim Pereira. After four years of depression and getting fired at the beginning of the pandemic, Tim launched launched Per to help men regain their sense of direction, motivation, and purpose while creating healthy life habits. Tim has found his passion in helping men regain a sense of direction while improving their health and happiness using the framework he's built with everything he's learned along the way. Welcome, Tim.
1: Mikhail, thanks for having me
0: yeah we're so excited to have you here so i'd love for you to just jump in and tell us a little bit about yourself and the company that you started
1: yeah i mean i um we'll go back a little bit and and kind of how i ended up getting here is uh you know i was in tech sales for six years was really successful in sales and and i well i can even go back a little bit before that and i I, because i think this resonates with some people where i you know had my whole life played athletics. I played baseball through college, you know, was super motivated, team environment, felt like I fit in, clearly had, you know, purpose and meaning and was finding fulfillment in what I was doing at the time. And then I think, like a lot of people that exit athletics or just, you know, I find a lot with guys that maybe leave the military or just something that is really community focused and, and purpose driven, it can be really hard to find, you know, a good fitting into life in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I definitely struggled with that for a few years and then found, you know, found a good role, found a good fit in sales, really enjoyed it. And I think for me, just being a really high uh, achiever mindset, you know, a high performer, always somebody that was interested in finding little ways and little things to just keep getting better. Um, was really focused on my physical health at the time. So eating right, you know, exercising to feeling my, to feel my best. Um you know, making sure I was getting good sleep, et cetera. And so that to me translated really well to sales because I was like, you know, if I can bust my butt and put in a bunch of extra work and, you know, work my tail off and get good at my job, it's gonna clearly translate to making more money. And then in my mind, I was like, I make more money and then I could get promoted, I can move up the ladder, I could get all these things, I get success, 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 you know, all the things in life. you know, that, that we believe are super important. And then fast forward after a few years in tech sales, uh, I did really well and I got an awesome opportunity of promotion. I moved from San Francisco to New York city to manage my own sales office, my own sales teams, and things were going great. And then all of a sudden, uh, they weren't really going so well. And following that, I had a few years in a row of roles and jobs that weren't a great fit. Um, a little bit of toxicity within the culture or within leadership or within my team, depending on the company I was at, and just really was not finding fulfillment and not finding meaning. And and I think what I had done before, I was so interested in, you know, becoming the best rep and achieving. And once I, you know, I won some awards and got the President's Club and got promoted, I just, I was kind of left searching for the meaning and the feeling that I thought that would bring. Um, and, um, yeah, and, and since it, you know, the feeling wasn't there, I kept searching in a bunch of different ways and it led me getting get into some bad habits, which I can, you know, I can get into at some point, but ultimately my performance started to suffer, uh, at the, at the last company I was with, I ended up getting let go and, you know, everything kind of came to a head for me. I realized I had moved across country four times in four years. I changed jobs four times. I was just I kept searching for things outside of me to try and, you know, answer the questions that were going on on the inside. You know, I just wasn't feeling great. And so anyway, a few months after getting fired into the pandemic, I just kind of had this realization that, you know, I heard the idea that everything in our lives, events, circumstance, people in our lives are just neutral they're just what they are and all meaning actually comes from inside our own mind and everything just clicked for me at that moment. I had been on this quest and searching to change all these variables in my life and and like find success somewhere to bring me fulfillment that I wasn't feeling within and it it just made me realize that it was me. Like I was the the constant and I was the I guess issue you would say like my mind, my perspective, my thoughts and beliefs. So for the next few months after that realization I just worked Tried to coach myself through it, work really hard to, um, you know, to turn the corner with that. I had been through depression for four years at that point. And so, you know, gaining a little bit of clarity on what I need to focus on. And so anyway, a long intro, a long way of saying is that is how I ended up after I turned the corner getting into the men's mental health, wellness, performance space. Uh, I had originally started the company to make sustainable activewear and shorts for men from recycled ocean plastic. And I did that for 18 months and through the course of doing that and making content for men's mental health and wellness and performance and all that fun stuff I was into, I started chatting with a ton of men and a ton of people who were just reaching out, resonated with the story, wanted to connect, wanted to ask what I you know, did to get better, wanted to just share what they were going through. And through that process of just connecting with a bunch of men, got the idea to transition to create a community of like-minded men focused on high performance that want to just become their best self that are really interested in some sort of self-improvement whatever that looks like and that has ended up you know turning into basically like a, a one-on-one cohort coaching wellness like a bunch of stuff but specifically as you said in the intro focus on helping men get back to the basics and and start to live a life that is just full of, you know, happiness and and great health.
0: That's incredible. I I love the point that you made about military or playing sports and then even moving into sales because I think with all of those things, something else is determining your value and your worth. You either have a coach that's telling you this is the thing that you need to do to be good. You have KPIs or some type of a goal that you're trying to hit that's saying once you do this, you have value. And then it's like, what happens if that thing gets taken away? Where does your value come from? Where does your worth come from when you're seeking it so much externally? And it's often the high performers. It's the people that did either play sports or they did some type of a competitive, you know, extracurricular that want that validation outside of themselves. But then the scariest thing is you get laid off, you get cut from the team, you get fired, you know, whatever happens. And all of a sudden you have to determine intrinsically where your value comes from, where your mm-hmm. worth is derived, which is a really scary and vulnerable moment for sure.
1: So, yeah. Well, uh, I even think the examples you gave would be negative outcomes. I even think it happens in quote unquote positive outcomes. Mm-hmm. So like what happened with me where I hit, I hit all the goals, mm-hmm. you know, I got number one rep in the world for a company that year, President's Club, we got mm-hmm. the promotion I was seeking and thinking that I needed to reach those outcomes in order to be happy. And then what happens is it's like any any achievement, big or small. We get like that feeling just it just fades after a yeah. couple of days yeah. and you're always left with yourself. Yep. And so when we get in this trap of putting our worth into external achievements or milestones or others opinions, you know, whether they're encouraging us or reinforcing or somebody gives us a high five only when we you know, sell a big deal or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the uh, objective is, it's just it's a game that we can't win. Yeah. You know, until we turn that that search to an internal one and really figure out where our worth is coming from.
0: Yeah, and it's a sad realization when you maybe utter the words "I'll be happy when blank."
1: You mm-hmm. get
0: blank, and you're still not happy. I think that that's where, as you said, you're always with yourself, and we have to find that happiness and value and worth completely stripped of any other external validation um you know make sure some of the the arrows of our compass face inward it's great to have other things that we're always trying to achieve or have goals of course but i think that if we aren't happy when all that's stripped away we're always going to be searching for it and so yeah i think that's such a great point um do you have kind of a personal catalyst that was the thing that really Maybe a low or something that happened that set you onto this journey and maybe made you realize you have to choose differently in order to overcome what you were facing,
1: yeah, I think for so f- something all felt off, I would say for the last few years that I was in my role. um and it's one of those things that like you you don't know you you can't describe at the time, especially you know thinking back now i I understand better what it was, but it's taken a couple years of of work and really getting to know my own thoughts and beliefs and you know, you know, insecurities or what I was really going after and working on that. So at the time, something just felt off, you know, it was like, man, I have all this stuff on paper. Why? Why don't I feel how I thought I was going to feel like mm-hmm. not really fulfilled like I was I don't I'm not really like elated like I thought I would be right. when I got this promotion or it turns out like the raise I got. Yeah, it didn't really affect the quality of life like I thought it would. You know, and um, and so a few years of struggling with that. One thing for me was I always had this inkling uh, that I wanted to start my own company, never knew what it was going to be. You know, I think like a lot of people that that have thoughts like this or they want to do anything in life, we we want to wait for the plan, the full plan to be laid out in front of us before we make a scary jump to take Mm -hmm. a chance on anything. That doesn't mean always quitting your job. It can be it can even be like making the decision to get in shape. I see right. it all the time with, with, yeah. guys work with, or just get help with your mindset, mm-hmm. you know, in your mental state. Um, and so we can wait for the perfect plan. You know, we can try and get this whole, for me, it was like, yeah, once I get a business plan, this idea, and once I'm guaranteed, I can make as much money as I'm making now and replace, place. And then I, I know everything and there won't be all this unknown and it'll, it'll be a hundred percent lock. Well, the problem is, is that's just our mind's way of convincing us to stay exactly where we are. And it doesn't it never works that way. You have to take a chance and a risk. And so I, I bring that up because that, I had that conversation in my head for about four years. And then, you know, my unhappiness, I think, was just building. And as my depression was getting worse and I was just so frustrated that I couldn't figure it out why I knew how to physically get fit. No problem. Couldn't figure out what was going on between my ears. And why I was just feeling like garbage all the time. And getting fired just kind of kills in motion. And I was like, you know, I, I could go back and find another job and do the same thing. I was like, clearly that didn't make me happy. Clearly, more money, you know, wasn't the answer. There was a bunch of things, you know. And I just, I just kind of had this realization that, you know what? There's been a thought that has consumed my mind for a few years. Like at the very least, I owe it to myself to give that a chance. And try it out and make it happen. And uh, if it doesn't work, cool. But at least I'll know. And so I think it was not necessarily uh, uh, one in you know one moment in particular, but just an accumulation mm-hmm. of you know events and thoughts and everything over the course of a handful of years that finally came to a head. And I was like, all right, I got to do something about this. I can't just keep going on this way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and And to be at the point that you're at now, I think that it's probably so hope filling and exciting for anybody listening and to see, okay, you've you know really gotten to this other side of things. But are you comfortable sharing a little bit about your moment on the bridge to kind of share um, almost like the the opposing side that you faced in the past?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, so I got let go in July of 2020, and I really turned the corner with my mental health in November. And I, I'd say like, I I really gained an understanding of what I was going through. I, I just got to a much better place where I wasn't, I wasn't in just such a state of unknown, you know, where I was like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's going on. Like, why why don't I feel better? I'm trying all this stuff. And, and I finally got to a place where I felt good day to day. And I was pretty happy. You know with myself i was honoring you know what i want to do is start a business and i just motivation was back i felt drive i was taking care of myself better like i just hadn't been that way you know in five years and so that's what i i think of really turning the corner and then starting at that point is when i really doubled down so two intentions i had that november were i'm going to start try to meditate every day i'm like i don't i figured it was for monks and yogis and weirdos and i was like Mm -hmm. but Maybe I, I, one thing I've always done is I've always tried anything when it comes Mm -hmm. to health and wellness and feeling better. I was like, even if it's super weird, you know, even if I'm like, don't want to do, I was like, I'll at least try it. Then I can say I tried it and you never know what's going to work. And it was one of those things. And I was like, I'm just going to start with five minutes a day and I'm going to do it every day for a month. And also at the same time, I was like, I really need to be intentional with my alcohol consumption. I wasn't drinking a lot during the week, but Saturdays I would have between 10 and 20 drinks easily. Mm-hmm. I would go out you know, with friends and, and I was like, I just, I can't do that every week because it's making me really down and depressed for four or five days afterwards, really unmotivated, uh, fuzzy mind. And anyway, so I say that because those were two intentions. So fast forward another four months into March and I was feeling great. You know, I was doing really, really well. I was meditating every morning for 20 minutes. I was writing. I just was like, I had so much clarity. I was only drinking maybe once a month, maybe twice a month and way less, like just things going in great in the right direction. I felt awesome. I was running five times a week down by the water in San Francisco, just like doing all these things, very intentional with my day. Every activity I was doing was intentional and and picked to help, start to uh, encourage the type of person I wanted to be, the type of thoughts, everything, all the podcasts, all the you know, the music I was listening to, the accounts mm-hmm. I followed on, everything was like this tidal wave just getting me to go in one direction. And so going back to the, the moment that you mentioned, so again, I'm feeling amazing at this point, like better at best I ever have. And I go out for a run and I had never run, I had never gone on foot across the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, and so I started to run. And I, or I started to run across the bridge and I live pretty close to it. So, you know, anyway, it took me a few minutes to get there. And as I started to go across the bridge, um, I made it, I made it a little less than halfway. I remember passing the first pillar, uh, or the first support beam and I really hard to describe what happened, but I just had this insanely strong voice inside of me. That started planting ideas of jumping off the bridge, and and of course it caught me by surprise. Like I like I was saying before, I had been in such a great mental space, uh, even through depression, I never had uh, any suicidal ideation. Like these weren't. I feel really lucky in that sense. I know a lot of people that struggle do, mm-hmm. and um, and so it was a first for me, and it happened on the bridge, and like easily, you know, I'm two steps away from from that guardrail. Mm -hmm. And I tried to keep, you know, I tried to like quiet it and, and say, but it was, it was really weird. It was a, a type of inner voice that I wasn't able to, to quiet. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just really loud. And what was really unique with it and terrifying for me was that it felt like it was about to take over my like motor function and force me Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. never, like I was saying, never felt anything even close to that. And And so going through my mind, I'm just, you know, of course, terrified and also confused. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. I had been feeling great. And, um, and I, the only thing I could think to do is I like, I dropped down onto a knee and I just like gripped on to the railing closest to the road. So not the one, uh, you know, that looks down over the water and just tried to grip as tight as possible. And. You know, I was slowly trying to, again, get my mind thinking of positive thoughts, you know, good things. I slowly, like, got out my phone and I turned on my, you know, long-time, all-time favorite album. And my my best friend at the time just had a kid about four or five months before. And so I was just thinking of him. I, was, I had this album on and, um, yeah, I was just thinking of my parents. And, and I like basically was barely able to stand up and just inched like inched my way back, you know, half step at a time. Um, and yeah, and luckily, you know, made it back. But yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough few days after that. Like a lot of, you know, I thought I was building this foundation of, of great mental health, Mm -hmm. and and mindset and belief and and that just like really made me question question a lot of it um and there's a there's a second phase to that story but I'll pause and see if there's
0: yeah no I appreciate you so much for sharing that I think it's really important to give ourselves grace throughout our journey and throughout our, especially our awareness and, and attempts to improve our mental fitness. As you said, it's really easy to go in the gym and measure how much weight we're pushing with our muscles, but between our ears, that mental muscle is often the most, the greatest blessing, but also at times this thing that feels like it doesn't belong to us. When some of that subconscious comes up, I think it can be so confronting. And the fact that you chose just to sit with yourself in that moment, it doesn't always have to look like this hero at the end of the story. You know, you will share the second part, but this this part of the story was kneeling down and then inching your way backwards to the place that you knew you would be safe and you'd be on solid ground. And I think that's the most important part of the first part of the story is just knowing that if we have moments like that, being able to be brave enough to sit with ourselves, of course, call in our support system if we're able to, but just sit with it knowing that no feeling is final. And if we allow ourselves to get to the other side of that, it's not immediately rainbows and butterflies, but it's not as overwhelming as what we're feeling in that exact moment. And so I think it's just a really important aspect of your story to share because we often look at these people that seem like they just have it all figured out and it can feel really shameful to witness people in our lives like that because nobody has it all figured out but especially when you're in that moment where maybe you're on a knee on the bridge you can't even comprehend getting to that place where you could be free free mentally especially and so i just think it's a really important aspect to share and i appreciate you for sharing that i know it's not the shiny part of your story but it's it's one of the things that got you to the shiny part and i think it's important to know
1: yeah i think well I I think we hear a lot, like everything happens for a reason and that not doesn't resonate with how it's said with everybody. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand that. And it didn't with me for a long time. And instead, like, I think of that being, you know, what is the reason I can make everything mean? Like, Mm -hmm. what is the meaning that I can apply to things? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And one of the things that has helped me go from kind of like a victim mindset when it came to my mental health and like wallowing in such a dark place for so long to going on the offensive and taking charge and taking responsibility is choosing to allow moments to have meaning for me and i what i mean by that is like you know yeah you could say hey this just happened like it didn't happen for a reason in in terms of like something doing it to me to learn okay i understand that but how they began to think of it and, and really help me in life is like, what can I make this moment mean? Like, what can I learn from it? What can I like? What is this moment trying to teach me? And I think for that one, my takeaway from it was that this, you know, my mental health journey and well-being and just this, it's going to be a lifelong one. It's it's the same as physical health. You don't work out for 90 days, get shredded, and then you have that body for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. It definitely doesn't work that way, mm-hmm. and that I think was such a powerful moment for me to re to double down on the activities I was doing. Like my, you know, again, like I I found meditation, breath work, those things worked for me. Writing, I started writing a lot then, and, and of course, reading, and um, all that moment did was, you know, just really instill that it's it's not going to be a short game,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that. Yeah. To really, really commit for the long haul because uh, yeah, it's going to be a full full lifelong thing.
0: Yeah. And that in itself too, I think that, it can feel, again, overwhelming in this whole, like, why me phenomenon, as you said, that victim side of it. And every time my brain, that that voice that probably is best friends with the voice that was in your head on the bridge, that's like, why me? Why is this happening? Or what's the point? I always try to counteract it with why not me? At the end of the day, I mean, there's always the dichotomy to everything, like everything happens for a reason or nothing happens for a reason no one is deserving of anything or everyone's deserving of everything. And I yeah. think again, what which one of those we choose to give light to and bring forth, they both are almost like the absence of everything, but we're choosing which charge we're going to give it almost. And so yeah. I think there are these moments that admittedly too, there's challenges that I've been handed that I'm like, I don't really feel like having this challenge anymore. Like, can I just snap my fingers and, and have it not be my thing? But it's often been the things that I've wished away more often than not that have actually led me to the deepest connections in my life and the things that brought me the most purpose and those moments as either a writer or just somebody that's connecting with somebody in dialogue when someone pauses and they say holy cow i thought i was the only one that felt that way that for me it's like just such a formative moment because we don't ever have to be alone in our struggles we don't ever have to be alone in a feeling that seems so isolating and like there's no one in the world this belongs to but me And the minute that we kind of like pull it out of that backpack we've been carrying around forever and show its face and everyone around us is like oh yeah i have one of those too i think it's (laughs) yeah yeah it's very um it is very connecting and it's also so liberating and freeing because it it takes away the power i think in those moments so in that regard of kind of taking away the power i'd love for you to share kind of part two of the bridge and and what ended up happening there
1: yeah so i you know i went back and and i just you know i was like well i'm not walking on that bridge again anytime soon and uh and i yeah i just went back to like i was saying i doubled down on kind of what i was doing and um and really i think even for a while i was i was making myself like meditate twice a day and and anyway yeah a bunch of that and then six weeks later like almost to the day uh i went out for another run and I, I, again, at this point I was running all the time, and I would just go run right along the water and the marina and Chrissy field there if anybody knows the area. Um, and as I go out for my run, uh, pretty much first thing in the morning, I, I actually could see on clear days could see the Golden Gate Bridge from my place. And this morning it was like perfectly clear and I just like jogged down the stairs of my place and I got a glimpse of the top of the bridge. And I just had this, a similar type of overwhelming feeling, but this just like feeling that ran through my body that was like, you got to go, um, you got to go run across the bridge. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, I remember standing there, i like, what? I'm like, no, why would I do that right now? I remember what happened. And it was like, no, you're going to run across the bridge. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know, screw it. and. Um, And so I ran. Yeah. So anyway, so I went over to the bridge and it was like a beautiful, sunny day. And I just I put on like a really upbeat, you know, fast paced album. And I felt like I sprinted across the bridge. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I remember looking down at my arms and, you know, the hairs on my arms were sticking like straight out. Mm -hmm. And I just had goosebumps the whole time and ended up making it all the way to the end of the bridge and all the way back. And, you know, when I got to land on the way back, it was just this like unbelievable, like triumphant feeling mm-hmm. and solidified that, like, you know, we're we're in control, like we're mm-hmm. owning this now, I'm not letting this shit run my life anymore.
0: Yeah, and surrendering to the fact that both those voices are always there and figuring out which one you're gonna choose to listen to. And simultaneously serving is such a great reminder That if we see somebody running next to us, or if we see somebody out at the grocery store, we never have even an inkling of what, which voice might be taking over in their mind, what they're going through that day. I'm sure tons of people saw you running. And the last thing that their thought process would go to is like, he's overcoming one of the largest mental hurdles he's ever experienced that nearly took his life. I think that it just gives us grace to ourselves but also to the people around us that we really don't ever have any idea what somebody's going through positive or negative and um that you know we can all kind of help each other along the way but the biggest thing i think we can do is give that grace to the people around mm-hmm. us and especially to ourselves in those yeah
1: moments. i think it's a, that's such a great takeaway because you know i look at you know i i i think of what i do now i write on linkedin every day about men's mental health and i'm open about all my struggles you know mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. on social media and not long ago a couple of years ago i was you know quick with the witty remarks had a lot of walls up like not vulnerable didn't ever ask for help um you know didn't act like anything was ever wrong hadn't cried in front of somebody and i don't know who knows forever mm-hmm. and And so to your point, I think what I've learned is like my big takeaway is like the more that I've gotten to know myself and through that process. I'm like really learning what I'm going through, where the thoughts are coming from, uh, like just having a little bit more compassion for myself, knowing that even when I'm feeling great, these thoughts can pop up. And also making it through that process and realize how much like more patient and kinder and calmer I've come out on the other end has just given me so much more empathy and grace and understanding to exactly what you said, what other people are going through. Yeah. And so even if someone's acting in a way that you don't condone or you don't align with, or that you wouldn't, you know, act as you are right now, it's still, you know, going through those dark places and working on yeah, like better understanding yourself. You just understand how the human mind works and mm-hmm. it's not about judgment or right or wrong or anything. It's people are just in different stages of, you know, this process and then learning about themselves or building awareness or, you know, figuring out what it is that makes them tick. Mm -hmm. And exactly what you're saying, like, you just, you never know, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, it's so much easier to just show up as, you know, with kindness and love Mm -hmm. to other people, just because, you know, what's the alternative? Anyway, like, it's just not worth it. So,
0: yeah. 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 And I think there's, such a, when you kind of have seen the lighter, you've gotten to the other side of the bridge, literally and metaphorically, yeah. and we see people struggling with some of the same things that we've experienced. We just want to like shake them and then drag them with us to the other side. But I think that again, like force doesn't ever really have positive outcomes. It's usually something negative mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be forced to do anything, but leading by example and living your life in such a way that people maybe ask you like, dude, why are you so happy? Or like, how are you so okay with this? This situation just happened, and you're able to view it as neutral, or you're waiting to see what the lesson is on the other side of that is such a different way of navigating the world than a lot of people that are really stuck in that cyclical kind of nature of victim or whatever resistance. And so I think often too, just leading by example, and then being a safe space for people to feel as though they can come forth and be vulnerable in that space is the greatest gift we can give. And even if now I've learned, even if I could do it for someone, I wouldn't because that's not the point. So, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and to all those points, like, especially for men too, you know, we, you know, we're the providers and the protectors and got to have our shit together and never ask for help and no weakness. And I think, you know, I always try and think back, like what, what is something that would have resonated with me when I was at my lowest? And I don't know, like I never asked for help. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time my parents found out, that I went through depression was eight months after I turned the corner, or eight months after I got fired, I should say. Yeah. It was like a couple of weeks before the the bridge event. And I posted about it on social media. That's how they found out. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have these conversations. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And I always think what would resonate. And it would be like, man, if there was somebody I looked up to who I see myself in, who's a high performer, is like takes care of themselves, look, checks all the boxes on paper. And that person was still saying, Yeah, I still deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like that I think would have resonated with me and would have landed and maybe would have, you know, allowed me to be able to reach out. So that's that's really why I, you know, try and just be as brutally honest with uh, the thoughts I, you know, have or had to deal with before or, you know, whether it's inner critic or perfectionism or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're an ultra high achiever or whatever. Yeah. Um And just so, you know, hopefully it resonates with-
0: Yeah. When When we we allow ourselves to be imperfect humans, we give everyone around us permission to do the same. I think if we try to just share a highlight reel and tell everybody how to do it and act as though we're just like, higher than thou or ahead or, you know, above everybody else, it's really difficult to actually connect and resonate. So the minute that we say like, Hey, guess what? I just really messed up, or I would have done this differently now knowing what I know, you know, in this moment, or to your point, if somebody would have shaken me and told me, this is exactly what you need to do. I still probably wouldn't have done it. It just, we're all on our own journey and we're all (laughs) in our own time. So, yeah. Um, Kind of speaking to that point with the resistance, like what are some of the areas of resistance you notice when you kind of first start a coaching cohort or a one on one? Um, And are there anything that you kind of like challenge people to do and then notice a lot of resistance surrounding?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the resistance is unconscious. And what I mean by that is like a lot of like the guys I work with know something's off. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not convincing them. That they need to do something or get help like they've reached out and they're like like hey i've been dealing with the same stuff for 10 years and i know something's got to change i don't know what it is and you know hopefully you're the guy to help me and so so i say that because it's less like i'll ask them to do something and they won't do it it's mm-hmm. that doesn't really happen much mm-hmm. um but what does happen is their inner critic and their inner doubt gets extremely loud when they start to experience change so what where the resistance comes from and anybody can relate to this if you've ever tried to build you know a habit if you've tried to start going to the gym come january one if you started to like try a diet or i don't know anything really is our minds and our brains are wired for certainty and safety and comfort that's what it wants that's what it seeks and that's why it's so hard like when people say i don't have the motivation anymore like i used to i used to just be able to get up and go to the gym i used to you know whatever etc etc our minds are designed to keep us safe and predict certainty so if you ever think if there's something you wanted like if for anybody that's considered starting a business like or even um you know if you identify as a perfectionist or procrastinate a lot is like wanting everything to be perfect or have all the answers before you start that's the part of your mind that is wired to seek certainty it wants all the answers because it wants to know we're going to be safe it wants to know we're going to be accepted and loved if we do xyz the problem is life doesn't work that way and and in order to change we have to operate with a little bit of faith or trust in the process that we're going to get better on the other side we just kind of have to let go of the railing for a moment and so i bring that up because where i see a lot of resistance is once guys start doing things like they you know they start implementing a couple of the things that i ask them to do and this happens all the time we're like we'll chat one day and they're like man i feel great haven't felt this way in six years and then the next time i talk to them they're like just so dejected, can't mm-hmm. get off the couch. They're like, oh, it's not, you know, it's not that it's not working, but they're like, oh, I just, I can't stick to it. They're beating themselves up. I can't stick to anything I say I'm going to do. And so that is resistance.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: what happens is our mind senses that we are changing. And even if we know we're changing for the better, right? Say it's like we're working out in diets. We know we're going to get in shape. We know we're going to lose weight. We know we're going to get strong. Like we can all probably agree. Those are You know above neutral those are all positive Mm -hmm. things for us Mm -hmm. and we still sabotage ourselves the moment we start to experience change so this resistance really comes in when change is starting to occur and there are shifts going on and we're questioning our thought processes and our beliefs and what we tell ourselves and actions we take and we're no longer vegging out you know scrolling our phone for social media 90 minutes every morning instead Maybe we're writing a little bit. Maybe Mm -hmm. we're going for a walk. We're just starting our day with a different intention, more focus, whatever it is, whatever Mm -hmm. the, the act is. And our mind doesn't like that. Our mind wants to do the same thing it's been doing. Even if it's unhappy, it at least knows what to expect. And so that's really where resistance comes in. And that happens all the time. You know, like every stage right before big growth, our mind will just white knuckle it and grip so hard and will just it's manipulative and it knows all of our hot buttons and it tells us and it tells us all these things and it tries to rationalize like why we need to stay in the same place we are. Even when we know in our heart or in our gut that growth is what we want and really what we need, our mind is not on the same page. And so part of this process is trying, is growing, is seeing growth, and then recognizing when that doubt pops in and that inner critic. And that's really when the coaching starts. Mm -hmm. And then we coach through that and we talk through, you know, the thoughts and beliefs that are coming up, like helping them see what they're doing through a different perspective to just get back on track and just nudge Mm -hmm. them back in the right direction. And that oversimplified, like that's really what coaching is, is to try things and then, you know, you you're super bummed out about it or you feel down and then just nudge you back in the right direction when you start to question yourself and get back on track.
0: Well, and what a cool perspective. I love that. I mean, even just personally, when I try to enact change in my life, there's so much shame that comes with like, why hasn't it just happened yet or clicked yet or whatever. And it's actually, I would say, listening to your perspective on it, something to be celebrated when we start feeling that resistance, because we would not feel resistance if we weren't trying to change. And so In those coaching calls, or if somebody is trying to start a new habit and they're having this moment of almost like this just isn't going to work for me, I can, Mm -hmm. I can feel it. I feel that it's not going to work, knowing that that is our brain white knuckling change and that that is something to be celebrated because that means we're trying to do something differently.
1: Yeah. It's
0: just such a cool way to look at it because it allows us to get excited and stoked when we start feeling that way because we know that if we then just try it again and then try it again and try it again and that resistance lessens, we've now created a habit and we've made that change whereas so often the moment that resistance comes in we give into it and we Mm -hmm. never make it out to the other side so
1: yeah you know the the thing too is like that resistance is so hard like we don't realize how ingrained it is it knows how we think it knows what it needs to say for us to believe it like that's you know it's an inside job it is convincing it's telling us all the things like again i say it it knows our hot buttons Mm -hmm. and you know it it shows up when we find ourselves like thinking about something we could we should be doing quote unquote should be doing and then instead we pick up our phone Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: we overeat a little bit or we reach for the booze or you know, we turn on TV, like anything, any action that gets in the way is just a distraction is just a delay. And so if we notice that to start happening, and then we feel this tension or this uneasiness, because we feel like we should be doing something that would move us towards our goal or the person Mm -hmm. we want to become. And then our actions are saying differently. That's when you can pause and just kind of take a step back and understand, oh, man, my mind is tricking me. Mm
0: right now you know it
1: doesn't and it doesn't mean like you'll snap out of it right away and it'll be easy like i just personally just went through like two weeks of that and i couldn't understand like and and all those signs that came up i was like reaching for my phone i was eating more than normal i'm like what is going on like i don't feel like i'm resisting anything like what Mm -hmm. and so i had to you know figure that out and lean into it Mm -hmm. and now understanding like when those things come up it's not a because i'm like a shitty person or because i can't change or like i've I've learned to have more compassion for myself than that and instead just using it as a signal like a radio signal or feedback to be like no you are actually on the verge and right before change is when your mind resists the most mm-hmm. and when it does white knuckle and that's exactly when you need to double down and stick to what you're doing
0: yeah for sure and kind of viewing it as as exhausting as it may seem that it's an endless process. It's like a video game. Like you're being invited to level up. And so you can either do the things to level up or you will level back down. Like those are the only options. And so, and they're both hard and they both actually require some type of effort on our end. Even some Mm -hmm. of the hard things still take effort. and, And you know, those moments that you're invited maybe to pick up your phone, it feels like this exhale because you're pacifying this intense, impulsive need but that still is like holding you back where now the next time around it might be twice as hard. So we're still giving effort to get yeah. out of, you know, level. And so viewing it that way, like knowing that resistant com- resistance comes in and that we can celebrate it. This means I'm about to level up and I'm going to get to this yeah. next aspect of life or, you know, whatever it is that we're, we're facing. So.
1: Yeah. Um, I love that. I love the example of it being a video game because it's perfectly right. It's like, what happens before you level up? You face a boss. Right. You know, you and defi- I know with me, I was user. never amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was never amazing at video games. So it would right. always take me like 10 attempts to beat each mm-hmm. boss. Mm-hmm. You know, you figure it out. You were okay. What's his weakness? Mm-hmm. What weapon do I need? Like, mm-hmm. do I got to attack him from one side or the other? And then, of course, when you do, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And that. like, you might have these moments where you actually are defeated in this next level. But thank goodness we had a checkpoint. We already got yeah. to this place in our life. And so now we get to start here. And that's just life. At the end of the day, where no yeah. one has the like, I've never had to start over and everything's perfect. And if they have, like, I wouldn't wish that for myself. I think it's in those moments where you learn because you maybe were defeated and you have to go back and do it again. And then, like, if you had just always been able to run across the Golden Gate Bridge, it wouldn't be exciting the day that you put your hype music on and ran across it. If we don't have moments that kind of give us those valleys, then we don't celebrate the peaks. If we don't have the lows, we don't even know what a high looks like, feels like, anything. It doesn't exist without the It doesn't exist, right. Yeah. Right. Um, absolutely. What are some of the things for you now that you've implemented some of these habits that are like non-negotiables for you every day?
1: Yeah. So I still do the same things I, I did before. I mean, I wake up and I read every morning to start. I typically, you know, I'll typically have three books out just based on what I'm feeling for the day. So all things around, like it's all intentional about the type of mindset I want to cultivate, the type of person I want to become, like how I want to think, what I want to learn, And so that's what I try and read in the morning. And I I say a minimum of 10 minutes, just me personally. And it it ends up being a lot longer than that most Mm -hmm. days. So I'll do that. And then I'll meditate for 20 minutes. Um, And those two have been absolute staples for me. And then a lot of the time, I'll write. I'll write just a little bit. I'll just get some thoughts out. I'll write, especially if I'm just, there's just seems to be things on my mind. I just, no structure. I'm just like, whatever comes out, um, you know, getting pen to paper, has just helped so much. I would say also for, you know, for anybody that is struggling in some sense, like maybe just isn't sure what's going on, like writing helps so much, like Mm -hmm. physically writing with pen to paper. And even if you're just, I'm just gonna write out whatever comes to mind. Like, what am I feeling? What do I not feel? Like, what am I confused about? Like, even if you don't have the answers, Mm -hmm. it has just helped so much. So those, Mm -hmm. those three things for sure. And then of course, like I, uh, since starting the business and now I don't I haven't had a drink in, I don't know six six and a half months um, So Part of that I think is definitely protecting my sleep like I'm pretty dialed in with a bedtime and when I wake up every morning uh, I You know definitely exercise like I I train jiu-jitsu six days a week and get in the gym four days and and then with my food you know, I'm pretty just, I found what nutrition makes me feel the best and help, you know, keeps me feeling my best aligned with my goals to show up focused every day for the company and what I'm doing for work. And then also, you know, minimizes inflammation and encourages recovery. So I can keep training and again, keep doing the things that that I want to do. So for me, like those are, when I think of over the course of a week, those are things like that absolutely happen no matter what. And then I, you know, I fill in the rest of the schedule with, with work stuff and fun stuff.
0: Awesome. And then on the times that you feel like maybe you've kind of um, fallen off the wagon, even mentally, and you have those kind of like downs, which everyone does, or the lulls or the times that maybe you're invited back to listen to that other voice or or make a choice that you wouldn't make again or whatever. Mm -hmm. What are the ways that you found are the best to just get back on track rather than like being sucked down to that other level or into, you know, kind of old habits?
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, the biggest transformation has come with just how I, I treat myself during those moments. I think before just used to be super hard on myself and, you know, really like talk shit,
0: mm-hmm. I would say,
1: you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of shame and like, oh yeah, if you're, you know, if you really were doing this, you would. And I just, I'm like, what a crazy way to talk to yourself. And yeah. so what I always think is like, what would I say to my best friend? Mm-hmm. If my best friend was in this position, how would I speak to him? Would I, would I be putting him down or would I be giving him just words of encouragement or Mm -hmm. reminding him of how far he's come and setbacks or plateaus are totally part of the process and everything we do. Growth isn't Mm -hmm. linear. And, and so I think that has really been the biggest thing for me. So in like, when I, um, you know, let's say like I get off track with eating and I have, you know, I order takeout a few days in a row. Like I used to just, yeah, get super down about that and beat up. And now I just know that my internal drive or my internal self, like my true self is so much stronger than these activities. I know it's going to correct it, like course correct Mm -hmm. at some point. And so I know it's going to happen and I know what I need to do. Like I have my benchmarks that I just told you, like I, I make sure I try and hit those, like even if it's a lesser intensity and just get back to the basics because I know eventually it'll turn. And so that's going to happen anyway. So I always think I'm like, why am I going to beat myself up during this time? Like, why am I not? Why don't I just like have a little bit more compassion, cheer myself on, you know, remind myself of all the things that are going well. And that's just proved to, of course, get me back on track a lot quicker and then make the times where I'm kind of off course a little bit, just, you know, not as brutal, not as like shameful.
0: Yeah. I I love the, the notion of treating ourselves the way we would a friend. It's so much easier said than done. But even if we were to sit down and write out those decisions that we'd made that we're talking shit or beating ourselves up for and read them as though, you know, a friend sent them to us in a message or called us and said those things to us, it kind of takes our ego out of it. If we just write it down as just a fact, like I ordered takeout. And then when we can separate from it and from that voice inside our head, that's telling us we're worthless because we ordered takeout, which is just, it's ridiculous, but it's something that becomes so conditioned over time. Like let's just, outlaw outline these flaws. Let's just focus on these things that make us not worth it because that's what we've been saying for maybe decades at this point. But I think being able to separate ourselves from those decisions and then as you said as well, look at things as very neutral. Like it's not good or bad that I did this. It's just here it is, I did it. And so Mm -hmm. now how can I make a different choice next time or maybe you know choose differently so that I feel better or have different outcomes on the other side of it. But again, without some of those other choices, we wouldn't even know how to choose better. So it's important Important to have some of those times that maybe we're invited to choose old patterns and maybe sometimes even do and do go down that path and then realize, like, uh uh uh, I'd like to go back over to this road now, yeah. you know, which I think is important in the process. And again, never going to be linear, never going to be that, all right, I've found my road and this road is just straight and perfect and here I am to, you know, whatever I'm trying to get to. It's always going to be curved and broken and invite us down all these other avenues. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's just, you know, there's always, there's always something you can take away from it. And mm-hmm. I think if you, if you start to challenge yourself to view it that way, like, what am I going to be able to learn from this, regardless of the situation, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just starts to make things yeah a little bit easier.
0: Awesome. Um, I'd love, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but for you yeah. to just leave us with like something that you've either read or spoken or seen that resonated with you lately that you would just like to leave our listeners with is kind of your last thought.
1: Yeah, I think um well I'm reading uh The War of Art right now and okay. this morning it was a lot around you know resistance and fear. Mm-hmm. And I think you know things that we fear doing most um whether it's like oh we don't want to do XYZ because like we'll be rejected or we'll do you know people won't love us or it won't work out or we'll fail. Mm-hmm. Like the things that really move us emotionally and Ignite that fear is exactly what we need to lean into that is It's a conversation that's going on and the part of you deep inside is expressing what it really wants to do and the mind is recognizing that expression and Responding with fear mm-hmm. and it's trying to convince you with reason and emotion That it's not going to work out And here are all the terrifying reasons why and so I think the more that we can understand that we are not our mind, we're not our ego. It's just, it's just part of the vehicle we arrived in of the human mm-hmm. body, and it's you know designed to keep us safe um, and comfortable. In that, it doesn't define who you are. That inner voice, like, isn't you. You know, the inner voice is that ego, and again, trying to keep you safe and comfortable. So, knowing that and using fear as a guidepost in things that stoke that you know, that feeling inside of you is like, there's probably some gold there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so for anybody that's like kind of lacking meaning or purpose or fulfillment, like pay attention to the, the thoughts and ideas that come up and the things that you really feel like you're drawn to and you want to do and where you find there's a lot of fear around. And that's typically exactly where you need to lean into.
0: Yeah, I love that's where the magic happens. And often the the thing that it's it's kind of our life's work and when we finally surrender to it and say okay this is terrifying but i'm gonna do it there's just so much beauty on the other side and self acceptance and connection and it's like often the gift we've been given that we're just kind of like burying deep within us that we just are are freaked out probably at the end of it all of the power that we would have if we Mm -hmm. uncovered that gift and so it's so much easier to just bury it down and just go through the motions but Um, I think that's the perfect kind of ending to this conversation and and appreciate you so much for being here. Um, Can you please share with people where to find you if they'd like to read more, work with you, um, connect with you?
1: Yeah, of course. So I my uh, I'm on LinkedIn. That's pretty much my social media platform, uh, Tim Pereira. Mm -hmm. And I post there every day, a couple of times a day. And and then my uh, company's website is perwellness.co. So P-E-R wellness.co.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, Tim. Really appreciate it and hope to have you back on again.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was awesome.
0: It was.